Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief. A new entrant in the BC Liberal leadership race changes the complexion of the race, I think, and that he hasn't held or run for office. Val Litwin brings a very different set of experiences into the contest as a business executive and most recently as the CEO for four years, I believe, of the BC Chamber of Commerce. He now runs the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. And it's fair to say, too, that he's positioned much more in the center of the political spectrum, to the left of his rivals, not not far to the left, but to the left of his rivals. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Kurt, thanks for uh, inviting me. It's great to be here. I should offer one correction right off the top, and apologies if the bio was not clear. I am chair of the board for the forum, uh, which is known as the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs previously. So we have an incredible uh, CEO. Her name is Paulina Cameron. I have the honor of chairing the board and uh, our mission is to leave no woman behind, but uh, just wanted oh, to- Totally fine. Yeah, yeah, no no problem. Yeah, you know, whoever heard of a chair actually running anything anyway, right? <laughs> um, so uh, I should ask you, because I think every candidate ought to be asked this, why? Why do you want to do this? Yeah, I think the BC Liberal Party and I think BC are long overdue for a new definition of success. And I want to catalyze or kickstart that process. So. When I think about the BC Liberal brand, which has led um, this province in so many exciting ways on on important uh, parts of our economy, the environment, we now have to shake off some of the old rust, some of the old brand that we're the pro-business only party. Mm -hmm. Any party that isn't putting people in in the middle of what they do to inform their policy, they're no longer electable. So this party needs to embrace new ideas, new diverse candidates, uh, new policy ideas, which I know we can do because we've done it before. And we need to uh, still be the party that's known on the street as the one that can frame up an incredibly fair, strong, vibrant economy. But we now have to deliver for people, all peoples, communities and the environment. So, So what are your big ideas? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we've got a long campaign trail ahead of us. Uh, You were campaigning for three and a half months when you ran as mayor. We've got nine months, I think. Uh, So we're not rolling out all the policy right away. But uh, what I can say is we're building the policy platform around this idea that this notion that actually, let me let me change course a little bit. When I was CEO of the BC Chamber of Commerce, I had the front row seat to the carnage that was happening at the local level on people and communities when economies were falling apart. When economies falter, the social fabric starts to fall apart. So what is driving my platform is the fact that I believe we need healthy economies to sustain healthy social services. But this party has, I think, missed the opportunity in the last number of years, not without intention, good intention, um, to deliver now more meaningfully for people and communities, the environment. And when I, the reason I'm saying this is the problems we were dealing with even five years ago, they are so different and so much more intense now. Racial injustice, the need to step up Indigenous reconciliation, um, climate change, coming out of COVID, homelessness, eroding affordability. The old solution set won't work moving forward. And 61% of the population now, Kirk, as you probably know in BC, is either 39 or younger. We need to speak about the issues in a different way. I think we need to dial back the partisanship and bring real solutions to some of these complex problems. So for me, it's about 
still figuring out how we create a vibrant economy, but we deliver in those ways around that piece so that we can become an inclusive and vibrant place for everyone. I haven't heard an institution ever not say that it wants to attract younger people into its mix, you know, everything from political parties to the CBC, you know. Um, how do you do that these days? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, first of all, you have to reflect what you're trying to attract. Um, and so this is not uh, to say I'm not prepared to embrace and support and thank the wisdom and experience of this party. I totally am. But we need to go out there. We need to speak to young people. We need to speak to more diverse people. We need to get into every nook and cranny of this province and engage in the most meaningful way possible. So uh, for me, it starts with how we engage with people. The second piece is speaking to the issues with an authenticity and an urgency that is being felt by the people who are encountering those issues. So if we look at affordability in the lower mainland, um, and Kirk, as you know, this is now um, something that's impacting communities around the province. A lot of young people in BC are going, yeah, I love it here. My family's here. I can't afford to live here. Or mm -hmm. maybe I'm getting by right now, but I don't know how I see myself here 10 years from now because an average home is over a million bucks. That's, that's not me. And the market keeps going like this. So we have to lean into affordability in a whole new way. And we might get into some more policy particulars here in a bit, but certainly um, tackling affordability will be a big part of the problem. A uh, big part of the problem we need to address to reach a solution to talk to those young people. So you're, you're still a step and a bit away from actually trying to get that young vote in a, in a true sense, unless you're trying to sign them up for memberships here at the BC Liberal Party. Your first uh, uh, obligation, your first task in this is to try to beat your rivals in all of this. How do you position yourself in this race in such a way to give you a shot at winning? Yeah, so I, I'm the outsider, right? Um, but I'm the outsider who comes with experience. So I think I can own the fresh approach, the new ideas, the outside the box thinking. Uh, but someone who's been for the last eight years deep in public policy, listening to people in communities around BC, finding out what's keeping them up at night and delivering the solutions to Victoria and Ottawa. Um, I've been an entrepreneur. I co-founded a, a franchise company with two incredible female uh, business partners called Blow Blow Dry Bar. We scaled it across BC and then Canada and then the US and ultimately overseas. Uh, we sold that business. It's now at 95 locations. I was also a social enterpriser, um, working out in community, trying to build social capital and raise awareness for the power of communities to give back and support each other. And then, uh, you know this as well, Kirk, I was VP operations at Nurse Next Door, which was, uh, I think, still Canada's largest privately held um, home health care company. So I was running operations for North America. I have a ton of experience in business, and my whole career path has been where business people and community meet. I understand people and the need to serve and lead with compassion, uh, but I also understand balance sheets. So I think for the people that are looking at the BC Liberal Party going, you know what, we, we like this idea of a strong economy that delivers for people, but we wanna move into the future with a new candidate. I, I think I, I can be their choice. Um, what are your worries about the BC Liberal Party right now? You know, I'm, I'm actually excited for the party uh, writ large, I think we have an exciting and diverse field of candidates. I do hope Renee Merrifield enters the race because we need a woman in this race, at least one. Uh, but I think the field is shaping up. What, I, what I'm spending a lot more time thinking about, though, is you know how willing and keen is this party 
to talk about the core values and principles that drive us into the future. There's a lot of talk about a name change and that's mm -hmm. great. Uh, but my take on that is if we're not willing to go deep and do the more profound work around what we stand for, um, how we think we're going to get to that vision 10, 15, 20 years down the road, uh, a new color palette and a logo doesn't really matter a whole lot. Um, I, I said this in my op-ed with, with BIV that this young generation, millennials and Gen Zs, they are the most brand savvy generation in the history of humanity. If they just see a, a new color palette and a logo slapped on uh, the same old car, uh, it's going to be a big problem for us. So will we have the deep conversation? When I hear people talk about the, the name change or the rebrand, um, my inference from that is that uh, people are uncomfortable with the term liberal being applied to a party like this. Are you uncomfortable? Being called a liberal? No, I not at all. No, I, I certainly not a BC liberal. Um, I this is a coalition party. It's a big tent. Um, mm -hmm. The thing that I that that is sort of interesting to me is the name. Um, I think we really need the name in the jurisdictions where we really need to attract that younger voter, and I think this is the right name for that for that person. But I think we need to talk about openly, authentically. Um, about who is in this tent and what we stand for. And, and for me, again, that goes back to the core value and principles conversation. Yeah. Can you, um, can you as a party, though, accommodate what originally established it, which was that very wide tent uh, where you had social conservatives and uh, economic liberals uh, all mixing, you know, mixing and matching, um, given that you could kind of point to the NDP as the opposition, given this especially that the NDP has kind of moved in some convenient ways toward the center in its, in its term. Yeah. I, I think we have a huge opportunity to still be that, that middle track party and to be a big, big tent. One thing I will be unequivocal with in my campaign is the message that under my leadership, this party would not tolerate intolerance. And mm -hmm. so if that is not comfortable for some people that are currently in the tent, uh, that, that is what I'm selling that we need to be a, an absolutely inclusive party where everyone feels welcome, everyone feels safe. And I think, frankly, that that's just a core value held for, for myself, first and foremost. But I think if we're talking about how you win an election, no party that um, says otherwise can, can get over the finish line. So we need to have a much more transparent and robust conversation with uh, the base and the people we're trying to pull in there can be no room for intolerance anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you started the campaign without really an endorsement out there. A lot of, a lot of campaigns start with endorsements, you know, first handful of MLAs, uh, you know, senior party people, uh, maybe, you know, who knows, celebrities, for goodness sake, who knows. Um, you started without that. Um, are they important? You know, that, that wasn't the campaign we wanted to run. Um, we, we may have endorsements. I know we'll have endorsements. We, we already have a bunch, but I want to give the voice to the people and the grassroots. And so you would have seen on our website, Kirk, on the homepage and on other pages, if you scroll all the way down, we just have everyday folks around the province endorsing me, not, not celebrities, not elected officials, uh, not necessarily captains of industry. There's, there's a bunch of entrepreneurs in that endorsement set, but no, I, I, 
that that part of I guess the game doesn't uh, doesn't resonate with me. That that's not who I am. Uh, I I want to speak for the people, the common person, and so the endorsements we have are from everyday British Columbians. Um, the experiences that you have, of course, uh, really are are pretty marked in uh, in business, um, but that might not be perceived Val as a full asset. That sometimes you know the the business path is not necessarily the political path that's necessary in order to do that. So, um, what do you feel you have to add to the mix here to demonstrate to people that you actually have the uh, the range of skills and the range of perspectives yeah. in order to succeed as a leader. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my career, Kirk, is not just business. Um, I mean, business is a theme and a thread, but I started out of university as a social enterpriser. Uh, mm -hmm. Post 9-11, my, my best friends and I, we traveled across Canada for 110 days committing random acts of kindness in 29 communities coast to coast. Um, that was a really formative experience for me as a young person. It, it um, I think, really confirmed for me, I want to have a career and a life path where I'm giving back in whatever I'm doing. We did mm -hmm. end up writing a book coming out of that tour about corporate social responsibility. Um, so that has really shaped how I approach leadership, how I approach business. Um, I, I embrace a service leader type approach. I've always been a, a listener and a team builder, collaborator. That that's just who I am. The the other part of my career, maybe Kirk, that might be helpful for people to know a little bit more about too, is when I was VP of uh, operations for Canada USA for Nurse Next Door. Yes, it was a for-profit business, but we cared for people in their homes at end of life. We offered end of life care for um, seniors, and it was very much a you needed to be a compassionate individual to be in that culture and to serve the people that you did. It was a hard, it was a hard job. Um, the franchise partners in that system, because we were, we were a franchise company, uh, really put it all in to, to care for these people because it's in some cases around the clock care. So we, I worked in a culture where we were trying to make change um, in terms of how we care for our, our elders here in Canada and certainly in BC. And I learned a lot about holes in the system where we need to do better to care for our, our elders, but also the impacts of inadequate care for those um, older people we love have on families and how that ripples uh, through the children, the, the grandchildren, how it can really disrupt in uh, families and create mental health issues too. So my my career is not just um, hardcore corporate, Kirk, it really does run, run the gamut. You know, uh... It seems like in the pandemic that uh, every day is a bit of a blur. Every week, every month seems to be a bit of a blur. But listen, the uh, the calendar is going to come pretty quickly here for the next election. And you've got now a sitting premier who is, um, in this country, one of the most popular of the premiers, for sure. Um, how do you unseat him by 2024? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think John Horgan is a really likable guy, and I've always enjoyed my interactions with him. I think he's he's got great curb appeal as a politician. Uh, but I do think this party is creating a situation where um, certainly, I, you know, I had a roundtable this morning. I was speaking with um, people across BC in the hospitality sector. There's a lot of red tape for those people right now. Um, yes, we're talking about recovery. Everyone's hanging on. The benefits are still flowing. 
but we're entering into a post-COVID era where we have we just don't have the same competitive business environment we used to have, and people are starting to feel it. Mm-hmm. Taxes are adding up, and businesses are starting to close. Uh, this is being driven in part by COVID, but this lack of competitive environment was was built up by the NDP in the previous term. And I do think we will start to see a shift in sentiment, certainly coming out of the business community, but we're, you know, we're seeing it with young people as well that maybe don't like the tone and the approach of this government around the COVID-19 pandemic um, and how we're supposed to get on the other side of that. So I, I think over time it gets harder for governments. I also think it's incumbent on the BC Liberal Party to mount an electrifying vision that connects with people. So uh, that's part of what I'm bringing to the table. I want to still be the candidate who brings that fresh approach, but knows how to set up a a great, vibrant economy. But we can deliver in more exciting ways, I I think, now for people, communities and the environment. Look, though, uh, we're not very far away from where uh, governments are going to have to make a lot of very, very serious choices. I mean, because we've not only uh, packed in the pandemic um, as something that governments were trying to deal with, but we've you know, we've, I think, uh, awakened to a lot of other issues, particularly around inclusivity, diversity, uh, climate change, clearly, uh, has always been there, reconciliation. These choices come with price tags, and uh, and they require some pretty important decisions in the not-too-distant future that, you know, I, I, what I want to know is, like, when you can kind of envision five years down the road, what kind of choices do you think a, a, a provincial government would have to make in terms of where it's going to place the emphasis and where, frankly, it's going to have to stop doing things? Yeah, I mean, the advantage of having a strong fair economy is you have more choices, right? You're generating more tax revenue from the base and you have more choices. You can invest in people, you can build more highways, you can build more schools. So I, I think the Certainly from my perspective, the number one priority is we, we have to get back to being a competitive environment again. And BC is beautifully situated globally to be that person with our low carbon resources. We sit on the Pacific Rim. We have some incredibly um, innovative emerging sectors. So it, it's really about investing and placing bets in places where we know we can grow the economy so that we can keep making those investments. You know, a great example is we we talk a lot, both parties, all parties talk a lot about the future of, of technology here in BC, the tech sector, life sciences. And for me, that we need to run full tilt into the digital future. And I think BC is well situated. But we have taxes right now that are hitting hard uh, companies in the tech sector that are pre-revenue. And, you know, we can't on the one hand say we want to grow the tech sector for better paying jobs, but kill them with taxes before they've even reached a product that they're selling yet. So we need to get congruent and aligned on some of our policies so we can grow the economy. Can you persuade the public, though, that by cutting taxes, you can actually preserve all of their programs, in fact, even expand upon it? This is so great question. This is not just about taxes, though. This is about regulations, right? And mm-hmm. for me, uh, you know, because I, I spent my time in the, in the seats at the BC Chamber of Commerce as the CEO, the employer's health tax is an example. We said, kill the MSP. It's regressive. It's not helpful. We need to move to something else. Payroll tax actually does make the most sense, but it wasn't calibrated properly to support small business growth. The threshold is too low. So I'm not saying in some cases, get rid of taxes. We need to recalibrate and build for a future economy so we're not killing opportunity as we move forward. Yeah. Listen, I know um, I know. so far anyway, you've been uh, quite cautious in how it is that you've answered the question about whether you'll run if you 
were not to win this race. Uh, so that's fair. I'm not going to poke too much at that one. I'm not probably not going to get any further than anybody else has. However, I'd like to know um, what conditions have to exist for you to feel that this is um, a pursuit for you if you're not the leader. I, I'm ready to say I, I will run in 2024 regardless, Kirk. For me, <laughs> being authentic and, and being in integrity, it's about knowing what the party will embrace for its future in terms of core values and leadership. And so um, that is important to me. You know, any young millennial who sat in an interview who's asked about core values and purpose of the organization, um, that, that's, what I, that's where I'm sitting. I want to make sure I'm joining a team and being a part of an organization and a political party that looks like the future to me. That's really important. So it still sounds like there's a condition attached there, right? Like uh, you, you would not necessarily want to run for a party that would move itself considerably off into the conservative course on this. Yeah, I, I have confidence. I, I have faith in the party. We're going to get through this process and get onto the other side. Uh, for me, this was not a dodge. This was about being authentic to my core value set. Yeah. Um, as you know, the, the ranked ballot, preferential ballot, I mean, you, you actually don't have to be the preference uh, to start, right? You, right. you kind of have, you know, if, if you're the second choice, you, you know, second choices tend to win in all of this. Um, so, in a way, what is it that you're working on in terms of your overall skill set and your salesmanship to uh, to the party right now that that basically speaks to that issue of you know maybe I'm not the first person you think of you know you may, you might have you might have obligations loyalties to other people in this race um, so what is it Val about you that at least makes you want to be their second choice <laughs> there and there's there's a down ballot strategy for every candidate in this race right yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Besides, maybe, besides maybe the, the forerunner um look this party is looking for energy and renewal serious renewal and my my pitch is we're gonna we're gonna bring a really deep policy platform but we need to feel some excitement and some vision around the future and what I'm what I'm sharing with people is we're still the party. You guys feel like you've been beat up and you're lying on the floor. Stand up because we have led in BC and on the global stage in really important ways. We are the party of big ideas, but it is time to welcome in new ideas and a new generation. And, and we're going to still embrace the wisdom and experience of the party that's come before. But if we're serious about renewal, let's talk about which candidates can get us there in 2024. So I'm bringing energy, I'm bringing, I hope, excitement and some vision around where we can go next. And also how we marry up a healthy economy with people because the way we did it before wasn't working. And so this BC Liberal Party needs to engage in a deep conversation around how do we do those things in a different way where people are now in the middle of the picture, not just business. Okay, so my last question for you is probably, I, I, I fear what this answer is going to be. And I think it's going to be the cliche answer of, I'm, I'm not thinking that far ahead. You know, it's like kind of like the hockey thing. I'm, we're only playing one game at a time here. Uh, but I want to ask you, uh, at least give it a shot. So you win. What's your first thing you're doing as party leader? I'm focusing on the core. I'm looking at the systems of the party, how we engage people, how we recruit people and bring them in, how we onboard them, how we support them at the community level. And I'm, I'm speaking to the caucus around our, our 
approach to engagement and listening so that we can start by going back into our communities in, in, in good faith and say that we're here to serve, we're here to listen, and we want to change the direction we take this province in. So uh, I hope that's, I hope that you got a little bit of what you needed. Yeah, no, no, you, know, you didn't lapse into cliche. That's okay. That's good. Um, good to see you. Thanks yeah. for your time today, Val. Thank you so much, Kirk. Take care. Good, good talking to you. Uh, Val Litwin is, of course, a BC Liberal leadership candidate. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of BIV. Thanks a lot for watching today. We'll see you again.